Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reckless speculation from the TCL broadcast studios. You're listening to Mackie and Judd, TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Football. All right, Matthew Collars here. Should we should we uh, run this list by him just yes, to see? Yes, most definitely. You're a kind of an action movie guy, aren't you, Matthew? Um, I would say I've seen quite a few. I would not call myself an aficionado. <laughs> okay, well, that makes two of you're, us. But... You're a, I know you're a pop culture guy. We, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan came in today just guns blazing and said the new Mission Impossible movie, which is the sixth one in the franchise, which is it's an awesome movie. But he said not only is it an awesome movie, it's the best action movie of all time with a gap between it and the second best one. So I actually came up with a list of the 10 best action movies of all time. I'm going to fly through this and you tell me we were born around the same times. So we probably have a pretty similar uh, timeline on these movies. You tell me uh, how far off this is, all right? Okay. Number 10 is the new Mission Impossible movie. I've got it as a top 10 action movie. Number 9, Con Air. Number 8, Air Force One. Get off my plane. Number 7, Die Hard. Number 6, Bloodsport. Number five, Gladiator. Number four, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Number three, The Fugitive. Number two, Casino Royale. And number one, Rocky Four. <laughs> fight me. <laughs> Rocky Four. Uh, Hang up on him yeah. right now. <laughs> he just laughed Hang at you. Hang up on him right now. He just mocked you. <laughs> I mean, I think you could probably just put Rocky Four at the top of any list for any genre because it really crosses all genres. It does. Um, it, including like foreign films as well. Um, so uh, for, as far as the rest of them, you know, I, I think that there are some compelling cases mixed in there to be better than uh, the new Mission Impossible. But uh, you know what I'm surprised by is that actually in 2018, after there's just been so many of those and there's Netflix movies and there's so many other options, that someone could actually make a really good one, or whenever it was, 2017 or, or 18. But like to still be able to do that is a, is a little bit of a feat, I think. It's like a higher bar to clear to make people care. But I, I do love Casino Royale. I think that's my favorite Bond movie. So if you ranked it against Bond movies, now that would, that would make it a little tougher. What's your top action film of all time, then? If you had to pick well, one. I mean, and say Point you know, Break, because Point Break is the best film no. of all time. It's so bad, it's good. See, see, this is the problem, is that there's, like, cheesy ones that I love so much, yes. but I wouldn't argue are actually good. Like, Speed is hilarious. Like, I just love, 
if someone hasn't seen Speed, explaining Speed to them. Like, <laughs> so, they're, go so they're on a bus. Dude, yeah. the, dude the bus <laughs> can't stop. <laughs> what do you do, Jack? Like, what do you do? What do you You're do? so smart, right? What do you do? <laughs> and the, you know, there is traffic, but they just work around it. And, you know, it's like, so, yeah, there's that. And then, uh, you know, the, the Bond movies. The Bond movies, like, from Russia with Love is my favorite one of all time, I think. Uh, but, you know, Casino Royale is certainly up there. And, and those are the ones where I've seen every Bond movie. So I, I think I probably put a lot of those up the top for personal favorites. As far as, like, analyzing the genre, um, I, I don't know if I'm quite qualified enough to do it. Matthew Collar, though, here's the thing about Point Break. We're dealing with a former Ohio (laughs) State quarterback, Johnny Utah, who becomes an FBI agent. This is all about football and action heroes. This is a Matthew Collar special. Football. Uh, All right. I got to tell you, the the line at the end of Point Break when he says he's not coming back is so powerful (laughs) for Johnny Utah. I mean, that, that broke me. Yeah, that let him go. my life. He's not the coming back. That, the, the fact that his name is Johnny Utah is one of the greatest things that has ever happened in cinematography, I think. It's a pretty good. It's a pretty good. Movie. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, that's a, that's maybe that's a fight me list for next week. And Swayze's yeah. great as well. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, I, Roadhouse. Roadhouse is obviously up there. Yeah, I've never seen it. it got J- left Judd out. For it. Phil never has seen it. not never seen, seen it. it. Yeah. Not sure I trust him. <laughs> what does it mean? We touched on this a little bit yesterday, but can you expand on behalf of Mike Zimmer when he says he needs to help the Vikings find their edge? What do you think that all encompasses? Well, I guess I was thinking of it as there was something that was a tick off for this team, especially starting the year all the way through training camp. And I, he couldn't quite put his finger on it, but I think it's twofold. Uh, in one way, the expectations and the hype around the team, I, I think probably did impact them to some extent, uh, maybe on the defensive side, especially where uh, there appeared at times where they thought they were going to come out and just run over everybody and that was going to be it. But you know, I also thought that not having Brian Robinson or Terrence Newman on the defensive side and then what happened with Everson Griffin, Everson Griffin sets the tone for the entire defense and has for years. It's something that you can tangibly see on tape, Everson Griffin at his best, 2017, 2016, where he is driving that defense. He is putting the pressure on the quarterback play after play after play, first quarter, fourth quarter. He's the one in the middle of that huddle pumping people up before the game. And then, you know, when, when he was gone for those five weeks, I, I don't think that it was there really at all for that defense and they beat some bad teams at times but it didn't have that same sort of edge so i think that usually those types of things are based on who you have you know when he's talking about bringing an attitude to the offensive line more of an attitude well you know a lot of times in football the guys who have to be the toughest you know the best ones are the toughest right i mean a lot of times it's not always but uh, those offensive line guys, the ones who are dominant, are usually pretty darn tough, and the ones who aren't, aren't aren't as tough. So, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to just that personnel, but I do think there was something to it, to every single major network, every publication coming out and interviewing them about how great they were going to be. That might have yes. to do with a little bit of it, I think. I think that that's it. And and if, if you recall, Zim is so um, anxious – to avoid expectations, 
that it was training camp 2016. He got to Mankato and declared, you know, there's no expectations. And we all said, Mike, you're being picked to win the division. You're co- coming off a playoff appearance. And I really think that when Mike Zimmer has a team with expectations, he sort of gets lost a, a bit, which is why going into 2019, it comes back now because people are going to say the Vikings were a disappointment. They didn't do this or, or that. So I do think the edge that he's talking about is when the Vikings are honest underdogs, it helps him. And when they're not, he sort of looks around, I think, and says, well, I think we're still not great. And his players are like, no, we're being picked to win the division or go to the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. You know, there, there, there could be a little bit of that. I never want to stray in this conversation too far away from the quarterback, though. I don't want to look for all these other things that might have been 1% of why they didn't finish uh, in the playoffs as opposed to the bigger picture. And when it comes to that, I'm, I'm certain that there was a different feeling in the building. I'm certain that the Everson-Griffin thing impacted how the defense felt. But at the end of the day, you're talking about, oh, our team didn't have the nasty or the edge. Well, you finished with the fourth-best defense in the NFL. It's pretty hard for me to look at those guys and say, yeah, they were definitely the problem. Number one in the NFL on third down. Like That's where you show that. That's where you step up and make big plays, and they did exactly that. And on the offensive line, I think a lot of it had to do with the talent uh, that they had up there, that they did miss some some scrappiness with uh, Joe Berger and Nick Easton being out. But you know, I, I also think that we overstate all of these things to try and come up with different explanations that aren't the most obvious one, that they were one game away from making the playoffs because they didn't get the quarterback play to do it. Kyler, what Super Bowl matchup are you hoping most for? God, I mean, there's like 10 of them that I could see that would be awesome. How many times do you even look at the, the wild card weekend and say, oh, I've got to watch every one of these games, but that is totally the case for this weekend. The team that I would just love, because I've been so huge on this guy uh, since he was at Clemson, is Deshaun Watson, the Houston Texans. I think he is about the most fun quarterback to watch play and is so great in big moments. It would be awesome to see Houston in it. I think that would be a lot of fun. And the storyline of Drew Brees with the potential of winning and walking away, you know, we've seen that a couple of times with Elway and Manning, and, and just how cool was that? when a legend wins it and then walks away. Um, but the, the other guy that I would make the big case for would be Phillip Rivers. He's been so great for so long, and he's never gotten there. It would be awesome for him to finally get there and uh, have that storyline. I, I want to see the AFC title game played in a soccer stadium that seats about, what, 40,000 people or something like that. I would love to see the AFC <laughs> title game go through the Chargers because it would be hilarious. Uh, yeah, I know. It really would. I mean, even, you know, you think about what they're going to have to do here in going to Baltimore and how unfair that is. And they go 12 and four and they have to go to Baltimore that had to win you know, on the last day to get into the playoffs. It's like, it feels the same way as when, uh, New Orleans had to go up to, to Seattle and they lost on that Marshawn Lynch run. And it was like, yep. is that really that fair that a team that's much better has to go on the road? But I agree. It would be hilarious because everything to do with the Los Angeles teams and everything to do with the Oakland team and where they're going to be has been a complete disaster. And now Oakland could play in London. The Chargers might want to go back to San Diego. They should go back to San Diego. They should. Absolutely they should. It's a complete mess there. And even, you know, the Los Angeles Rams got good crowds because they won a lot. 
but if you uh, covered a game there as I did, you know that that stadium was an absolute mess this year with all sorts of construction and everything else going on. It was a disaster, and their stadium would get taken over by the opposing team's fans too. So uh, I, I think they've got a lot of work to do before they get those situations right, and it would be hilarious and totally deserved if they tried to stuff 40,000 into a soccer stadium to watch the AFC Championship. 27,000 people. That's what it seats. <laughs> 27,000. Yeah. Well, like uh, the, oh, the, the new trap capacity. Did you see that story today, They're too? Cutting out the upper like, deck. Which I don't know why they didn't do that you 10 know years what? ago. Go to Montreal. Go back. Just put the a Rays. team back in Montreal. Rays. Go to Montreal. Yeah. Just get out of there. Um, one, more, one more football take for you, Matthew, here. I, if we're looking for teams that can go into New Orleans and just have a fighting chance, if, if, the, if the road goes through New Orleans in the NFC, I think the Bears have the best chance to muddy up a game and give the Saints all they can eat inside that stadium. I don't know if I'm picking the Bears in that game, but some people might say, well, the Rams have the best chance because they can score points. But I don't think getting into a shootout is the best way to beat the Saints. I would pick the Bears as the team that has the best chance to beat the Saints on the road to the Super Bowl. Your thoughts? Yeah, in in the in the Superdome, I won't pick anybody to beat Drew Brees and the Saints, especially because Brees gets the week off to recover and be in really good shape going into the stretch. Uh, I think the Rams did give them all they uh, could earn when they went there and, and tried to beat them earlier this year, and that made for a great game. The, the defense maybe, you know what, I think that the only team that could do it is maybe Nick Foles and the Philadelphia Eagles because Nick Foles had the football gods reach down and touch his head and decide that he is the, the football savior in Philadelphia and can win any big game. Isn't it so weird with this guy? I mean, he's just like, no matter what he does, whether it was things breaking his way, like a weird bounce uh, in the wild card game last year against Atlanta, or crushing the Vikings, or winning the Super Bowl in Minnesota, or whatever it might be, it's like, I, I feel like I don't want to underestimate anything Nick Foles does, because he just has something going for him that's pretty amazing. But I I think it would be really, really difficult for any team to beat New Orleans when they're playing in the Superdome. Good stuff, Matthew. Thanks, Collar. Bye. Football. 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 And action films. Seagal. Point break. Football. How can you not pick Johnny Utah? Honest to God. It was 11. I let him to watch. No, not you. Him. He's Mr. Football. I let him to water right We kind of put him on the spot, though, too. If he had time to think about it. Uh, maybe. Uh, Sage Rosenfels will join us when we come back here. Uh, Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic quickly here. 494 westbound. We've got that crash. Uh, it's between France Avenue and uh, Normandale Boulevard, Highway 100, near Edina. And it's causing about a 10-minute delay in your commute. And also 94 eastbound. You've got a crash between Pryor, uh, Pryor Avenue and Snelling over in St. Paul. And it's causing about a 7-minute delay there. Gentlemen? I'm excited about uh, the years ahead to build a rapport with, with these guys. Because this was year one. And um, I remember when I played in Washington and we went to the playoffs. And at the end, uh, the message was, hey, this was only your first year starting. You know, think how much better you can get each year going forward. And... I feel much the same way with my time here with the Vikings. This is only year one, and uh, there are times through the season where I say, boy, 
you give me another OTAs, another mini camp, another training camp to build up a, a library of reps with these guys and, and get audibles and code words and go a little deeper with each guy and what their skill set is and what they do well. Uh, you can really add layers to this offense, and I'm excited about that. Uh, Kirk Cousins taking the optimistic approach at the end of the season. Uh, it was mocked by some, including our guy Matthew Collar. Sage Rosenfels, um, I, I guess let's throw this question at you. How, Where do you think the Vikings are at with this thing? Because sometimes if a team peaks at 12 or 13 wins and then gets beat late in the playoffs, and then they drop back down to 7, 8, 9 wins. It's just sort of the end of that particular Era, I mean, it happened. Brad Childress, okay, twelve wins, gets fired the next year. I don't sense that this team is on the verge of a reset. I think you just reload however you can and uh, you dust yourself off. Where do you think they're at with all this? Well, I, I think in reality, last year's team was probably a ten-win football team, and this year's team was probably a, really about a ten-win football team. Last year, the breaks went the other way. The offensive line played really well. They ran the football well. I think they had. The, the right coordinator with Pat Shermer, and then this year things sort of went the other direction. They ended up with uh, with eight wins, and so you know, talent wise, I do I think there are ten, you know, maybe eleven win football team. But you know, things have to go right. They have to find uh, absolutely the right offensive coordinator. Maybe it's Kevin Stefanski, maybe it's somebody else. But uh, no matter who they find at that position, the offensive line is the key to the future of the Minnesota Vikings. So, Sage, in finding that coordinator, too, what do you think, ideally, if you put Cousins in the perfect situation to succeed, what does that offense look like to you? Well, I think to me it looks like an an offense that's all about efficiency and execution and not about playmaking. You know, when I watch the Kansas City Chiefs, I see a quarterback that's making plays, and I see receivers that are making plays, and there's some freelance there. Uh, there's, you know, a lot of different options for the quarterback to do. When I see a Kirk Cousins style offense, and that's what you sort of have to go off of. The, the trigger man sort of, uh, dictates what type of offense you're going to have. And I, when I see Kirk Cousins, I think a guy that is all about execution. So the offense has to be about execution, about efficiency. You know, every, every run has to have some sort of setup to a pass, uh, and not just shotgun drop back and, Hopefully our quarterback makes all the great plays and great decisions. And when that, you know, three technique beats our right guard, our quarterback is so good, he's just going to make a miss and scramble around like Pat Mahomes does and make things happen. You know, some offenses you can do that, others you can't. And so I'm looking at something that's very efficient. Uh, and really it's all about execution. That's just the way it's going to get done. And again, that all starts with the offensive line. In, to run the football, you got to run the sorry, football. You got to have a good old line. To throw the football, you got a good old line, and that was a big struggle for them this year. And you, again, you have to have a, the right type of coordinator to be creative. To you can't just line up and say, "Hey, we're going to run the football right at you." You have to be creative of how you design things. And you know, NFL defenses are so good, so you have to find the right offensive line coach and offensive coordinator. So, in in the correct system for him, in your mind, how good can Kirk be? I, I don't know what that means, though. I mean, I, I, well, not, a, not just stats. Uh, Aaron Rodgers type of guy. Yeah, where, you know, I, where I, can I, he be? I don't think I want him throwing for 4,500 yards. How about that? Right? I don't think I want Kirk Cousins to throw for 4,500 yards. I'd much rather have him throw for 3,800 to 3,500 yards, be a, a, a major part of this offense, but not put everything on his shoulders. You know, And they did that with Case Keenum. 
two years ago. He wasn't the entire offense. They ran the football well. They dispersed the ball to the wide receivers. They ran some bootleg. They ran some play actions. Occasionally, he did make a play. That's that's probably the difference between Case and Kirk. Is Case was had that sort of gunslinger playmaker in him. He was a little more athletic, uh, and he could sort of bail the offensive line out a little bit more than what Kirk could do. So, as I, I see him as a thirty-eight hundred yard. You know, hopefully, you know, 25 touchdowns and, and minimize those interceptions and, and in the pocket fumbles, which seem to uh, happen, uh, you know, here and there during the course of the season. Yeah. Okay. In retrospect, let's say they would have brought in, uh, let's say they would have brought back Case Keenum for $10 million less, and then maybe you go spend the extra money on an offensive lineman or something. Uh, would that combination have served the Vikings better? Or are you still riding this thing out with Kirk Cousins if given the choice of two paths? Well, that's a water under the bridge, you know. I mean, that's it's hard to go back and say, you know, could you or would you or should you. I mean, could, would they have rather signed somebody else rather than signing somebody or, you know, what have you. So, I mean, there's draft picks, too. You know, so there's there's always ways to go back and, and second-guess yourself. I'm trying to figure out a way to go forward is how I look at it. Listen, Kirk's under contract for the next two years. We can sit here and talk about his good and his bad and all that and the other, but you know, there's, what he is, is, is hasn't changed a ton over the course of his career. Uh, and we have to find a way, you know, the Vikings have to find a way to, uh, to, to make him better. And that's, again, making that offensive line better, in my opinion. You know, that is the key. And then the, 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 the challenge with that uh, is, you know, there's other guys that are coming up on contract extension. Anthony Barr being one, Trey Wayne being another one, you know, coming up. And I'm sure there's some others that are looking for probably their big contract. And, you know, do you, do, do you give it to another defensive player, which, you know, you've been winning with defense around Minnesota for a while now under Mike Zimmer, or you spend that money somewhere else, hopefully that your younger guys or backups can, can fill those roles and play solid football, but spend that money somewhere else, in particular along that offensive line. Sage Rosenfeld is with us here on Mackie and Judd, uh, TCL Broadcast Studios. Uh, this is that. This is the most excited I have been to watch playoff NFL football because it just feels very wide open, especially in the AFC. Uh, what What are you looking forward to here the next few weeks? Uh, you're, you're exactly right. You know, last year it was like the NFC had six really good teams, and anyone could have won it out of the NFC. It seemed like, but the AFC, it seemed like it was the Patriots uh, and the, the the Steelers. I believe were the sort of the two teams that everyone thought was going to get to the championship game, and that's what that's what occurred. Uh, this year, the AFC has six quality teams. The NFC has six quality teams. And what's interesting about you know both conferences is there's teams that are sort of throw it first football teams. You know, the Rams like to put up big numbers. The Saints like to throw the football. Uh, but then there's teams like the Baltimore Ravens, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, who are grinded out, play defense, run the football. I mean. What Baltimore is doing with their quarterback, he's averaging 17 carries a game uh, since he has been, uh, you know, starting Lamar Jackson since he's been starting here, like the last, you know, was a third of the season or so. You know, I mean, they are really, you know, playing safe football, grinding it out, uh, and if they can't get a first down, you know, they're punting away, and their defense is playing really well. So there's various styles of play here, but for me, I'm really looking for. I'm, I'm hoping that Phillip Rivers and those San Diego Chargers can make a run. I, I really am. I, you know, he's one of those guys that I've, I, you know, through my long career and then watching him, you know, play much longer than me uh, and just see how he has sort of been the only guy that has sort of, uh, you know, carried that entire franchise for such a long time. I mean, Drew Brees has not had to carry uh, the New Orleans Saints for all this time. All right. But 
Philip Rivers has had to literally carry the, the San yeah. Diego, now L.A. Chargers, for his entire career. I would love to see him get to his super, his first Super Bowl. Bears can, can go how far in your mind, Sage Rosenfels? Uh, they can win it. I think mm-hmm. the Bears can win it. They, they, uh, tell me what they're not good at, other than the fact that occasionally Mitch Trubisky has a bad game and throws some interceptions and, and sort of scares you, but defensive line, one of the best in the league. they got linebackers that are all very good and can, can run and can play. Uh, they've got a secondary that has safeties that seem to make interceptions all the time and corners that are very good and seem to make interceptions as well. So they've got defense at all the levels. Offense, they run the football really well. Another one of those teams that can really run the ball. And I like their receiving core. They don't have like a Julio Jones or a big-time name at that receiving core. But, you know, I, I do some stuff at the Chicago radio stations with Mitchell Trubisky all all year. So I've watched every snap of the Chicago Bears offense. They literally have four guys at the receiver position that can hurt you. So you know, that's what happens with the Vikings the other day. They, they get Taylor Gabriel matched up you know, on one of the weaker corners, and boom, we're going to take a shot because he's one of the fastest guys in the NFL. Obviously, you've got Tariq Cohen who can do everything. He's basically a receiver, running back. You know, punt returner, you know, one of those types of guys. And and I like the way Howard runs as a running back. And Trubisky just always seems to get those key first downs. You know, they were 8 of 14 the other day in that game against uh, the Vikings. So he's sort of a first down uh, uh, guy. And and that's that's important in the playoffs. Keep keep the uh, the sticks moving and keep your defense off the field. That's a very good football team. The Bears do have a chance to win it all. Yeah, man. Uh, Hey, we, we posed this question on yesterday's show here, Sage. If you let's say you're you're interviewing for head coaching jobs and you've got uh, you've got equal term and equal money and two offers on the table, one from the Cleveland Browns, let's say it's a four year offer, uh, and equal money a four year offer to coach the Green Bay Packers, which one is the better job right now, Aaron Rodgers' job or the Baker Mayfield job? Man, that's a really good uh, question. Um, yeah, I, I think the Browns actually might have a better roster. Yep. overall, but I would love to be working with Aaron Rodgers at some point. I mean, talk about a, a quarterback that can make you right. Uh, you, know, you know, when you when you make a bad you know play call or whatever, but you know, he needs some help there. That roster uh, I think is probably the fourth best roster in the NFC North, so they do, do need some help, but I think it'd be a, one, a real treat to coach Aaron Rodgers, but two, you know, the Green Bay Packers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, you know, there are, they, there are some legendary uh, franchise in the NFL and the Packers are you know, are right there, so I think that would be a real special treat to be known as you know one one of the one of the Green Bay Packers head coaches in that franchise's history. I would rather have that in my resume than the Cleveland Browns. Football, yeah. yeah, but it is it is kind of funny that this is the first time since Bill Belichick had that job that this job has been appealing in Cleveland. So good for them, first time in it a quarter century. <laughs> And by the way, let, let me mention, by the way, I have heard uh, through a few sources, Matt Campbell, uh, there is some interest in my guy at Iowa State, Matt Campbell. I know some NFL teams have some hmm. definite interest in him, uh, and I maybe would even was offered a job and turned one down. So that would, I don't think it would be shocking if he got one of these NFL jobs. I mean, he's been a college coach. He's a young guy. Uh, it would be a very unusual to have a guy who has had you know, elite success in college, winning national championships, shoot, hasn't even won a conference championship. But NFL t- teams just seem to love him, uh, his talent evaluation, and he's a great leader of men. So, you know, that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, sadly, if you're an Iowa State fan, I know there's a lot of Iowa State fans uh, w- w- within uh, the, the Minneapolis region, but uh, it does sound like some NFL teams 
do have interest in Matt Campbell. Yeah, he's interesting a, stuff. He's a, I don't, he's not even forty years old, right? That dude's in his thirties, I think. Yeah, I think he's thirty-eight years old, I believe. Jeez. Yeah. So he. So when he got the job at Toledo, he was was he in his twenties when he was coaching Toledo or somewhere in there. I think it was in his, his low 30s. You know, he went to Mount Union College and won a couple of national championships there. And, and I believe maybe started coaching there and, and you know, worked his way, uh, you know, sort of up through that MAC conference. And, and had some really good teams at Toledo. Never won a conference championship, but had some really good teams, talented rosters. You know, Kareem Hunt, the Kansas State Chiefs yeah. running back who was just suspended. He was a Toledo uh, and, and Matt Campbell recruit. He has done an amazing job of getting some recruits from the Ohio region to come to Iowa State and really upgrade the talent uh, on the Iowa State roster. So, uh, yeah, fantastic young coach. Uh, I'm sure, be a, you know, again, he's got no NFL history, though. You know, he had never coached there, never was a quality control uh, you know, coach. So that would be a it, – it really is a very different game, the NFL game and the college game. I've, you know, studied it enough as I, you know, call a few college games every year, obviously cover the NFL. Uh, they're almost different sports, it feels like, sometimes because the complexity – complexity of the nfl game is so much more advanced because that's all you do you literally you get to work at seven o'clock in the morning and it's football 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 all day long in college you actually have to go to class and do some other things and so uh you know the nfl game is more advanced and that would be a challenge for matt campbell if he does get the job because he's a great leader of men but the the complexity of the x's knows the nfl game are definitely more advanced than college football <laughs> Thanks, Sage. Great stuff, Sage. Appreciate we'll talk it. soon, man. All right, guys. Wish we were talking the Vikings all through the playoffs, but maybe next year. Yeah, but no, but this is where now now we get to speculate for like four months. So it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome either way. <laughs> yeah, got, well, what, what do you got? We got the Senior Bowl. We got the combine. Oh, yeah. Free uh, agency you workout. You've got the draft. There's yep. going to be agents dispersing, agents dispersing all kinds of nonsense information from coaches. First. <laughs> That's what makes the offseason great. The it's more fun. It is. Yeah. Well, there, oh, I forgot about. It. There's free agency in there too. Yeah, so, March. Look, you know, or listen, early March. I bet you the Vikings are active in free agency. The problem with you know the offensive line is when you go to free agency, you're always going to overpay. That's just sort of the way it works. You generally just overpay for offensive line or early any player. Uh, and uh, the Vikings may have to do that and, and maybe draft a couple guys. Don't forget about the primetime three-hour schedule unveil at some point, too. That's uh, that's always one my of favorite my favorite. part of April. You already know who they're playing, but now you get to know yes, when they're the playing. The dates it. and make your plans. <laughs> yes. It's hey, machine, they, wouldn't have it on TV if, they wouldn't have it on TV if people weren't watching it. Oh, no, and I'm watching for sure. All in on it's it. Great so, stuff. Sage, see you later, man. Bye. I like that. All right, Sage Rosenfeld. Do you know what he just did? did? He joined the Mackie and Judd Club of Reckless Speculation. Oh, I think he's a I think he's a big reckless speculator. The Mackie Campbell thing way. is great. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's great stuff. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. So long, losers. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. <laughs> You know, I don't have a blanket answer for you to say it was just X. Uh, I think it's a combination of factors through a combination of games. Um, it's, it's never as simple as one, one thing to just say, this is why. I want to mock! Mock! I want to mock! Mock! Yes. 
Uh, Mandy, can you do us a favor and go to the Team Anthems page and fire up some NFL music for this? Because uh, I have found it's 2019 here. We're in the first week of 2019. The Vikings aren't in the playoffs. We might as well look. Sage Rosenfeld said, I want to look ahead. Let's look ahead. All right. CBSSports.com has a brand new mock draft out this morning. This Whoa, morning. Boom. Uh, Chris Trapasso. Okay. From CBSSports.com. All right. It's going to go through some of the highlights, some of the top picks, find a couple quarterbacks, and tell you who the Vikings are going to pick in the first round. He's got Nick Bosa from Ohio State going to the Arizona Cardinals, number one overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Allen, edge rusher from Kentucky, going number two to the San Francisco 49ers. Let's see here. Where's uh, where's the first quarterback? Drew Locke going to the New York Giants. It's not a deep class. It's not that good it's a class. Not, yeah. It's really boring. That doesn't mean that there's not going to be four of them in the first round that teams reach yeah, for yeah. because the Jaguars, for instance, are going to take Dwayne Haskins, quarterback Ohio State, I the seventh re- overall pick. I actually really like Dwayne Haskins. I think he's going to be yeah. pretty good. He's got a good arm. I feel like mobile quarterbacks are kind of coming. They're almost coming back around. We went mm-hmm. pocket, pocket, mm-hmm. pocket for a while. and. Mm-hmm. And now you've got this influx of mobile guys. Well, how many times did uh, uh, did uh, Josh Allen from the Bills run? Like that that dude was running like twenty times a game yep. too. So yeah, um, Detroit Lions uh, edge rusher from uh, Clemson. Is it that Cle- Cleveland Farrell? How do you pronounce that guy's name? I don't know. But Sounds good to me. Good Clemson player. Yep. Uh, quarterback we'll from Duke, Daniel Jones, going to the Bengals at number eleven overall. And then all the way down here, Minnesota Vikings picking right behind the Browns at 18. Yep. CBSSports.com has the Vikings taking offensive tackle Jawan Taylor from Florida. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. I'll give you the breakdown. Left, Left or right tackle in college, does it say? Let me read and see if it tells us here. Taylor is a gifted athlete on the right side. There you go. Brian O'Neill's position, yeah. At six foot five and three hundred twenty plus pounds. He has the lateral agility to mirror inside moves and the power to stop ball rushes in their tracks. Priority number one for the Vikings will be to fortify the offensive line for Kirk Cousins. I wanna mock! mock! I want to mock! mock! One can only hope that's the case. Watch them take a watch them <laughs> linebacker. Like we got to replace Anthony Barr. We're yeah. going to lose I, Anthony Barr. I told, I told Collard, you watch. If Sheldon Richardson leaves in free agency, they'll take a defensive yeah. tackle. <laughs> they totally Zimmer will. Zimmer will totally want to take a defensive you tackle. You want to see Vikings fans go crazy? That's how. How yeah. weird is it that we're in a year where if the Vikings take an offensive lineman, this fan base is going to go nuts. Normally, if you take an offensive lineman, the fan base is like, It's boring. <sighs> yeah. Wake me yeah. up. Yep. But this year, if they draft an offensive lineman, the fans are just like, yeah! Yeah, it is. The, it, there's been other years where they absolutely, you thought, oh, they're going to, like last year, they're going to take an offensive lineman. But as the draft approached, you started to think, uh, I don't know. <laughs> this year, 100% they're taking an offensive lineman with their first pick. They'll take a guard from like Kent State or something, and everybody in Minnesota will just be yes! thrilled and happy. Yeah, yes. they, might, they might. Who knows? Yeah. Well, let's wrap Not with Royce. Zim, though. <laughs> Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic one more time, shall we? It's brought to you by Duluth Trading Company. 
Uh, we got a crash in St. Paul, one I told you about earlier, uh, between Pryor Avenue and Snelling Avenue. It's causing about a three-minute delay, and also 94 westbound, same area, between uh, Highway 55 and 35W, right over there just past the river, causing about an eight-minute delay. Gentlemen? Thank you, Manny. Uh, Pat, out in Florida? Did you see the yes. Gopher basketball win last night against uh, the? Uh, I did not see it, but I certainly uh, followed it. Yes, I uh, might. I don't have the Big Ten Network on my cable. Well, you might want to get it now that they're uh, red hot and on the way to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, about ready to well, give Patino I, five more years on the end of that contract. Yeah, say uh, does uh, what I saw like with twelve minutes to go, Wisconsin had twenty eight points. Uh, they they have their usual uh, offensive uh, talent. Uh, fourteen uh, first half points, Patrick. Yeah, and Amir, Amir Coffee outscored them in the first half on his own. Yeah. Wow. And their best yeah. player can't make a free throw, which no, and they they hackershacked him. Huh? Hacka happed him. Yeah. Yeah, hacka happed him. Well, that's uh, yeah, that's a good win for him. I didn't realize they had one down there since Lawrence Westbrook ten years. So they, that's, that's a good. Wisconsin's. I, I, this guy's going to be. Uh, he's got about one. This this may be it for him if he uh, if he doesn't make the tournament. I, mean, I don't think they wanted to hire him in the first place. So get this, so, pa- uh, Pat. They they hadn't won in Madison since two thousand nine. Before that yeah. win, they hadn't won. The basketball team hadn't won since ninety four at the old Field House against the Badgers. Really? Yes. Once in all these years, uh, that's uh, it's almost football like. Stupid uh, schedule now. You don't play down there every year. Any, I mean, you, you're just drives me crazy that the Big Ten has it set up so you're just as apt to play Rutgers twice as Wisconsin twice when you're the Gophers. It's, they should figure out some way to have uh, divisions, but they don't. So, yeah, yeah it's a, that's a, that's good for them. They get Maryland at home now, or they get yeah, they get road? they actually so they get Maryland at home. And that's not a gimme game, but it is a home game. Then they get Rutgers at home. They play at lousy Illinois, and then home, yeah. or I think it's home against Penn State then, too. And then they play Michigan, wow. but they've got four games they could win. They could be 6-1. and one. Hey, uh, isn't it that, that uh, new AD at Illinois has put together quite a program down there, hasn't he? He, uh, he hired a new basketball coach. He hired Lovey as the football coach. They, they, they really got it going down there. Don't they? Yeah. Now they stink it. They used to be competitive in basketball, or a little better than competitive. Now they stink in basketball too. Yeah, they well they played for the NCAA championship like twelve years ago. It wasn't that long yeah, ago. They played five, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, they they were you know this guy's supposed to be you know he was the Oklahoma State guy who one of his assistant coaches was indicted by the FBI. So uh, <laughs> I thought he'd be exactly what Illinois needed a cheating son of a gun like they've had whenever they've been successful down there. Yeah. So. See, Pat, I like, feel like I feel like uh, the, and now that they played him for some minutes last night, this Brock Stall, the transfer that the Gophers got from uh, from Milwaukee, I feel like you could really connect with him. This is a guy who's about fifteen or twenty pounds chubby. He looks like he just yeah, downed a case of PBR him. last night and woke up. He's and got great hair, hair though. He's got <laughs> fantastic. He's, he's got amazing. Kevin Lynch like hair. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we're playing him instead of our uh, super duper star from New York City. Huh? Correct. Yes. He played zero minutes. Zero. I, I. My prediction: he won't be around the second semester. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised by that. I still want to find out, though, how was he the player of the year in that basketball hotbed? Because he had the jelly uh, roll or whatever that was. I, jelly I jam. How, 
I don't know how that happened, but the reason they obviously got him was this Kamani Young was hooked up out in New York, and they brought him in there. What, the other kid from New Jersey, right? They brought them both in, and, you know, I bet they wish they'd taken McKinley Wright instead. So. Yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, how about our guy Jimmy Butler, huh? Yeah. It's a great story. How about Love it? Love it. You know what happened? 22 games. Okay, here's what my prediction is. He's starting to wonder if they're going to pay him. Because the whole problem is, well, here was they weren't going to pay him. And I was, there was some, about a month ago, there was one of the national guys, not an ESPN guy, I didn't even know what it was. And uh, I said something about, wait till he finds out they're not going to pay him. And he said, oh, they're going to pay him. They have no choice. they got to pay him. Um, you know, I, I'm... I think he's starting to get suspicious. He ain't going to get his one sixty to one ninety, and uh, that's that's probably why he's uh, acting up here again. But he's uh, he's got issues. There's no doubt about. Hey it. Pat, but he is what? a perfect Nick. The Dolans, it, it's going to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, He'd be perfect in the garden. He's perpetually yeah. pissed off. Dolan's Dolan's <laughs> a moron himself. That marriage would be so much fun to watch. Who do they got, though, that they would want a team? I mean, Porzingis is that's basically missing the whole year, right? And uh, I, I don't know. I, I, who, you know what he's going to do? He's going to, uh, he's going to get himself in a situation where nobody's going to pay him. Uh, that he's going to have to end up having to go somewhere for I don't know one year big deal and prove himself because he's, you know, he's, he's he's screwing this one up now. That's that's. That's bad. That's that's three in a row here. He'll be Dwight Howard if he's not careful, Pat, just bouncing from team to team to team. That's right, because, I mean, he's good, but he's that. $190 million would be good, I'll tell you that. Well, the Knicks are one of the four or five teams that are uh, not trying for Zion. The, the, Knicks, the Knicks have a chance to land the number one overall pick. Could I yeah. make a case that if Porzingis comes back, the Knicks get the number one overall pick and they have a max contract slot, that, that's, that, that all of a sudden becomes... A little bit like the Browns have become, where it's okay. Maybe that is a spot that you'd want to go sign. Do you want to, do you want to put Jimmy in the uh, locker room with Zion and uh, and have him tell him how rotten he is all the time and he doesn't play hard enough or something like that? I think if I get Williamson, I'm just going to. Uh... By the way, there's a hundred percent chance the Knicks will win the lottery. Right? I I remember Patrick Ewing. Okay, when the Knicks were bad. Hey, that was just there's a fluke. 100%. Okay, that was a fluke. Uh, Nothing more than a fluke. There's a hundred percent chance he's going to go to New York to the Knicks. That's uh, that's my theory. But I wouldn't want Jimmy around any of those young guys. Jimmy is I, I don't know what what's. But Jimmy's I, not going. There's no way Jimmy goes to the Lakers at this point. I don't think no, there's any no, way that no, LeBron would want to put no, up with no, that. No, no, LeBron's going to get himself Anthony Davis. <laughs> he don't want Jimmy. He gets, he's going to get himself Anthony Davis. That might happen before the, tra- the trading deadline. Jimmy needs a doctor and a couch, Patrick. That's what he needs. More than the quarter of basketball. He's well, got a screw uh, loose. You know what? Last year, everything considered, he didn't cause any trouble. <laughs> you know, yeah. last year, wasn't, you know, he was still playing fairly hard. I mean, he was screaming at him once in a while. But uh, comparatively speaking, it was peaceful compared to this year. Yeah. Uh, Pat, Tropicana Field was already, uh, if not the smallest stadium in baseball, definitely the most empty stadium in baseball. They just announced they're getting rid of their 300 section. They're getting rid of their upper deck in terms of they're just going to tarp it off. 25,000 capacity is going to be Tropicana Field now. So 
the fact of the matter is they're stupid here because they're still going to get eleven thousand for from nine to eleven thousand for everybody else. When the Yankees or the Red Sox play there, they can get thirty. Mm-hmm. Now they're going now they can only get twenty five. But if they were selling the three hundred level tickets, people you know unless it just turns people away. Maybe 2,000 people who were buying tickets in the 300 section pay a couple extra bucks to sit lower? I don't know. Well, you know, the one that they, they're hoping to build in Yibor City, or however that's pronounced Yibor. there, is, is supposed to be, what, 28,000, 29,000, something like that. Yeah. Montreal, Patrick. Montreal. That's where they well, should put them. Uh, here's the, how many years they got left? The guy signed a 30 year lease whenever they came there. So they, they, they got to hang in there until like 2000. 25 or 26 or something like that. That Vince Namoli signed a 20, 30 year lease, and that's why that you know they got it. They're holding that over their heads all the time. The only thing they can do is declare bankruptcy, basically, and you can't do that with all the money you're getting from MLB. So I don't know. Yeah, I like the Montreal well, idea. Great city. Everybody, everybody. Yeah, you'd have to build a stadium there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's. Well, yeah, I I agree with that, but uh, that I don't know if they can get out of Tampa or not. But uh, meanwhile, we're all raiding for Tampa. We take all their executives. It's it's the best run rotten organization in yeah, sports. It is. Oh, very very weird. You're right about that. Yep, that, that is true. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, who do you who do you like this weekend, boys? Uh, all three. The first three games are all. Teams two and a half point favorites because they're at home. They're all uh, mm-hmm. basically coin flips. The only real favorite is the Bears by what five and a half or six. Six points. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm taking the Bears and the Seahawks in the NFC. I think I think the Cowboys season is over. I agree. And with I, think, that. I think Nick Foles against that defense is no longer going to be Magic Nick Foles. I would say that though, except uh, as far as the Seahawks are concerned, if they didn't basically act that go down to the wire to beat Arizona last week. Uh, that kind of uh, disturbed me a little uh, watching them that they were uh, that mediocre. So, I don't know. I, that one's a good. So you got three coin flips, although I'm surprised the Chargers are underdogs, aren't you? Yes. The Chargers are better than uh, I'm going Chargers and Colts. Two, ro- two road teams. Yeah, you can have three road teams win. There's, uh, Absolutely. The Eagles aren't going to win, despite the fact Judd is... Uh, Judd is uh, down on Trubisky. He's, uh, I've come around. Way, but you, but I've the, come around but the, but after the, last week. The Bears, went, the Bears almost won a Super Bowl with Rex Grossman, for God's sake. So. Uh, I was watching uh, Levitard's show today, and uh, Papa, Poppy was calling him a, a Russian. Trubisky, they got the Russian. <laughs> <laughs> He's the greatest. <laughs> He's not a Russian. <laughs> yeah, oh, Poppy's great. Russian. Poppy's the greatest, greatest in the history of sports. Uh, hilarious. Uh, Pat, have a good weekend and we'll catch up with you on Monday. All right. See ya. All right. Bye. That's, uh, that's Roycey. Roycey down in Florida now for the next oh, couple months. And we've we sent some equipment down there, so you guys are going to do Roycey Wilson, Unchained. I was going to say, Unchained will continue uninterrupted. Yes. Unless Pat has a hard time unchaining the equipment that we sent him. Oh, that's when, very possible. When I called him, he actually just, when I was on the phone with him getting him on, he was just like, yeah, you know, you got to you guys don't have to talk to me and how to get connected to the uh, oh, it's not going to work. And, They're going to have to get professional help there to his place. Yeah, for connecting him to the studio and mentally and all oh, kinds yeah. of reasons. He and Jimmy Butler, right? <laughs>
Um, you can find all kinds of on-demand content from Mackie and Judd, Purple Podcast, new Touch Em All episode on 1500ESPN.com. See you guys.